European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 43, Issue 30. Focus Issue, Epidemiology and Prevention, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Filippo Crea, read to you by Morgan Bryan. The Burden of Cardiovascular Risk Factors, A Global Perspective. This focus issue on epidemiology and prevention contains the clinical research article entitled Cardiovascular Disease, Mortality, and Their Associations with Modifiable Risk Factors in a Multinational South Asia Cohort, a pure substudy, by Philip Joseph and colleagues from McMaster's University in Canada. The burden of cardiovascular, or CV, risk factors varies in different geographical regions. CV risk factors need to be carefully known and addressed to reduce CV disease, or CVD, morbidity and mortality. South Asia has the highest number of deaths and estimated disability-adjusted life years among major geographic regions in the world. Most countries in the region have committed to reducing premature mortality from non-communicable diseases as part of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, but there are still limited data to guide how preventative health strategies should be prioritised. The authors examine the incidence of CVD, of death, and the comparative effects of 12 common modifiable risk factors for both outcomes in South Asia. This was a prospective study of 33,583 individuals, 35 to 70 years of age, from India, Bangladesh and Pakistan. Mean follow-up period was 11 years. Age and sex-adjusted incidence of a CVD event and mortality rates were calculated for the overall cohort by urban or rural location, by sex and by country. For each outcome, mutually adjusted population attributable fractions or PAFs were calculated in 32,611 individuals without prior CVD to compare risks associated with 12 common modifiable risk factors. Hazard ratios, or HRs, were calculated using Cox regression models and average PAFs were calculated for each risk factor or groups of risk factors. CVD was the most common cause of death, 35.5% in South Asia. Rural areas had a higher incidence of CVD, 5.41 versus 4.73 per 1,000 person years, and a higher mortality rate, 10.27 versus 6.56 per 1,000 person years, compared with urban areas. Males had a higher incidence of CVD, 6.42 versus 3.91 per 1,000 person years, and a higher mortality rate, 10.66 versus 6.85 per 1,000 person years, compared with females. Between countries, CVD incidence was highest in Bangladesh, while the mortality rate was highest in Pakistan. The modifiable risk factors studied contributed to approximately 64% of the PAFs for CVD and 69% of the PAFs for death. The largest PAFs for CVD were attributable to hypertension, 13.1%, high non-HDL cholesterol, 11.1%, diabetes, 8.9%, low education, 7.7%, abdominal obesity, 6.9%, and household air pollution, 6.1%. The largest PAFs for death 
were attributable to low education, 18.9%, low strength, 14.6%, poor diet, 6.4%, diabetes, 5.8%, tobacco use, 5.8%, and hypertension, 5.5%. The authors conclude that in South Asia, both CVD and deaths are highest in rural areas and among men. Reducing CVD and premature mortality in the region will require investment in policies that target a broad range of health determinants. In another clinical research article entitled Modifiable Risk Factors Associated with Cardiovascular Disease and Mortality in China, a Pure Substudy, Tidong Li and colleagues from the Chinese Academy of Medical Sciences and Peking Union Medical College in Beijing, China, examined the incidence of CVD and mortality in China and key subpopulations and estimate the population-level risks attributed to 12 common modifiable risk factors for each outcome. In this prospective cohort of 47,262 middle-aged participants from 115 urban and rural communities in 12 provinces of China, it was examined how CVD incidence and mortality rates varied by sex, by urban-rural area, and by region. In participants without prior CVD, PAFs for CVD and for death related to 12 common modifiable risk factors were assessed. The mean age of the cohort was 51.1 years. 58.2% were female, 49.2% were from urban areas, and 59.6% were from the eastern region of China. The median follow-up duration was 11.9 years. CVD was the leading cause of death in China, 36%. The rates of CVD and death were 8.35 and 5.33 per 1,000 person years respectively, with higher rates in men compared with women and in rural compared with urban areas. Death rates were higher in the central and western regions of China compared with the eastern region. The modifiable risk factors studied collectively contributed to 59% of the PAFs for CVD and 56% of the PAFs for death in China. Metabolic risk factors accounted for the largest proportion of CVD, PAF of 41.7%, and hypertension was the most important risk factor, 25%, followed by low education, 10.2%, high non-HDL cholesterol, 7.8%, and abdominal obesity, 6.9%. The largest risk factors for death were hypertension, 10.8%, low education, 10.5%, poor diet, 8.3%, tobacco use, 7.5%, and household air pollution, 6.1%. Li et al. conclude that both CVD and mortality are higher in men compared with women, and in rural compared with urban areas. Large reductions in CVD could potentially be achieved by controlling metabolic risk factors and improving education. Lowering mortality rates will require strategies addressing a broad range of risk factors. In a third related clinical research manuscript entitled Risk Factors, Cardiovascular Disease and Mortality in South America, a Pure Substudy. Patricio López Jaramillo from the Universidad de Santander UDES in Colombia examined variations in CVD incidence and mortality rates between subpopulations stratified 
by country, by sex and by urban or rural location. In a multinational South American cohort, the authors also examined the contribution of 12 modifiable risk factors to CVD development and to death. This prospective cohort study included 24,718 participants from 51 urban and 49 rural communities in Argentina, Brazil, Chile and Colombia. The mean follow-up was 10.3 years. The incidence of CVD and mortality rates were calculated for the overall cohort and in subpopulations. The HRs and PAFs for CVD and for death were examined for 12 common modifiable risk factors. Leading causes of death were CVD 31.1%, cancer 30.6% and respiratory diseases 8.6%. The incidence of CVD per 1,000 person years only modestly varied between countries, with the highest incidence in Brazil 3.86 and the lowest in Argentina 3.07. There was a greater variation in mortality rates per 1,000 person years between countries with the highest in Argentina, 5.98, and the lowest in Chile, 4.07. Men had a higher incidence of CVD, 4.48 versus 2.60 per 1,000 person years, and a higher mortality rate, 6.33 versus 3.96 per 1,000 person years, compared with women. Deaths were higher in rural compared with urban areas. Approximately 72% of the PAFs for CVD and 69% of the PAFs for death were attributable to 12 modifiable risk factors. For CVD, the largest PAFs were due to hypertension, 18.7%, abdominal obesity, 15.4%, tobacco use, 13.5%, low strength, 5.6%, and diabetes, 5.3%. For death, the largest PAFs were from tobacco use, 14.4%, hypertension 12%, low education 10.5%, abdominal obesity 9.7%, and diabetes 5.5%. López Jaramillo et al. conclude that cardiovascular disease, cancer and respiratory diseases account for over two-thirds of death in South America. Men have consistently higher CVD and mortality rates than women. A large proportion of CVD and premature deaths could be averted by controlling metabolic risk factors and tobacco use, which are common leading risk factors for both outcomes in the region. These three pure sub-studies are discussed in one joint editorial by Eva Prescott from the Bispeberg University Hospital in Copenhagen, Denmark. Prescott notes that in the pure study, Education is defined as a modifiable risk factor on the causal pathway to the outcomes studied. She indicates that we have no data to indicate that intervention on this modifiable risk factor will lead to improvements in health. We cannot even be sure that education is a causal risk factor rather than a risk marker or indicator of accumulation of adverse exposures. Regardless, the Pure study recognises socioeconomic factors as strong indicators of increased risk. Prescott feels that this should be acknowledged in policies that target populations in middle-income countries and in clinical practice when estimating risk and prioritising intervention. With the Interheart study almost two decades ago, 
finding that psychosocial factors were among the strongest drivers of myocardial infarction, it may be time to incorporate socioeconomic and psychosocial factors in the individual risk estimation. This would follow the driving principle of prevention, that higher risk should lead to more intensive intervention. A potassium-replete diet is associated with lower blood pressure and lower risk of CVD. In a clinical research article entitled Sex-Specific Associations Between Potassium Intake, Blood Pressure and Cardiovascular Outcomes, the Epic Norfolk Study. Ifert Vogt and colleagues from the Amsterdam UMC in the Netherlands note that whether or not these associations differ between men and women and whether they depend on daily sodium intake is unknown. An analysis was performed in 11,267 men and 13,696 women from the Epic Norfolk cohort. The 24-hour sodium and potassium excretion, reflecting intake, was estimated from sodium and potassium concentration in spot urine samples using the Kawasaki formula. Linear and Cox regression were used to explore the association between potassium intake systolic blood pressure, or SBP, and CVD events, defined as hospitalization or death due to CVD. After adjustment for confounders, interaction by sex was found for the association between potassium intake and SBP, B being less than 0.001. In women, but not in men, the inverse slope between potassium intake and SBP was steeper in those within the highest tertile of sodium intake compared with those within the lowest tertile of sodium intake, P being less than 0.001 for interaction by sodium intake. In both men and women, higher potassium intake was associated with a lower risk of CVD events, but the HR associated with higher potassium intake was significantly lower in women than in men. Highest versus lowest potassium intake tertile, men HR 0.93, women HR 0.89, P equaling 0.033 for interaction by sex. The authors conclude that the association between potassium intake, SBP, and CVD events is sex-specific. The data suggests that women with a high sodium intake in particular benefit most from a higher potassium intake regarding SBP. The manuscript is linked to an editorial by Franz Meserli and colleagues from the Inselspittel Universitätsspittel Bern in Switzerland. Meserli and colleagues conclude that at a population level, identification of sodium or potassium-sensitive persons presently remains beyond the reach of routine clinical care. At best, a surrogate endpoint such as SBP can provide us with some hints to guide our investigations which may at least allow us to distinguish between potential harm and benefit. However, at the level of individual care, a full understanding of the interaction between dietary sodium, potassium, BP and CV outcome remains elusive, yet still represents a sine qua non for the practice of precision medicine. The relationship between dietary salt intake and health remains a subject of long-standing debate. In a clinical research article entitled Adding Salt to Foods and Hazard of Premature Mortality, Lu Qi and colleagues from the Tulane University School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine in New Orleans, USA, 
analyzed whether the frequency of adding salt to foods was associated with the hazard of premature mortality and life expectancy. A total of 501,379 participants from the UK Biobank who completed the questionnaire on the frequency of adding salt to foods at baseline were enrolled in the study. The information on the frequency of adding salt to foods was collected through a touchscreen questionnaire at baseline. The authors found graded relationships between higher frequency of adding salt to foods and higher concentrations of spot urine sodium or estimated 24-hour sodium excretion. During a median of 9.0 years of follow-up, 18,474 premature deaths were documented. The multivariable HRs, 95% confidence intervals, or CIs, of all-cause premature mortality across the increasing frequency of adding salt to foods were 1.00 reference, 1.02, 0 0.99 to 1.06, 1.07, 1.02 to 1.11, and 1.28, 1.20 to 1.35, the trend being less than 0 0.001. The authors found that intakes of fruit and vegetables significantly modified the associations between the frequency of adding salt to foods and all-cause premature mortality which were more pronounced in participants with low intakes than those with high intakes of these foods, the interaction equaling 0.02. In addition, compared with the never-stroke-rarely group, always adding salt to food was related to 1.50, 95% CI 0.72 to 2.30, and 2.28, 95% CI 1.66 to 2.90, years of lower life expectancy at the age of 50 years in women and men respectively. The authors conclude that their findings indicate that higher frequency of adding salt to foods is associated with a higher hazard of all-cause premature mortality and lower life expectancy. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Annika Rosengren from the University of Gothenburg in Sweden. Rosengren concludes that classic epidemiology argues that a greater net benefit is achieved by the population-wide approach, achieving a small effect in many people, rather than from targeting high-risk individuals, a large effect but only achieved in a small number of people. The obvious and evidence-based strategy with respect to preventing CVD in individuals is early detection and treatment of hypertension, including lifestyle modifications, while salt reduction strategies at a societal level will lower population mean blood pressure levels, resulting in fewer people developing hypertension, needing treatment and becoming sick. Not adding salt to food is unlikely to be harmful and could contribute to strategies to lower population blood pressure levels. Atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease or ASCVD risk prediction equations apply to older adults. In a clinical research article entitled PDA Risk Score Predicts Cardiovascular Events in Young Adults, The Cardia Study, Samuel Gidding and colleagues from the Geisinger Genomic Medicine Institute in Danville, Pennsylvania, USA, note that for this study, the pathobiologic determinants of atherosclerosis in youth, or PDA risk score, was used to predict ASCVD events specifically myocardial infarction and revascularization, in middle age 
from risk measured at less than or equal to 40 years of age. The coronary artery risk development in young adults, or CARDIA study, collected longitudinal cardiovascular risk data, coronary artery calcium, or CAC scores, and ASCVD data beginning at age 18 and 30 years with 30-year follow-up. Predictive accuracy for ASCVD of the P-Day risk score, calculated at baseline, mean age 24, and at all six cardio examinations up to year 15, was examined. The authors also examined whether the presence of CAC improved model discrimination. The cohort for this study comprised 5,004 men and women at baseline and 3,558 with data at year 15. Each standard deviation increases in P-Day score at each examination was significantly associated with future ASCVD. HR, per standard deviation, increased from 1.74 to 2.04 from year 0 to year 15. C-statistic ranged from 0.771 to 0.794. CAC measurement at age 33 to 45 years improved risk prediction only if the score was zero. Cumulative risk exposure over the first 15 years of the CARDIA study also had high predictive value, see statistic 0.798. The authors conclude that the P-Day risk score may be used in young adults prior to the age of 40 years to predict ASCVD events. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Seamus Welton and Wendy Post from the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland, USA. The authors note that overall, this study shows that traditional risk factors measured in early adulthood can identify persons at increased risk for midlife ASCVD events. These results demonstrate that the P-Day score is a good prediction for ASCVD among young persons. Additional studies are needed to validate this score in other populations. These results also provide further support for the importance of not only risk factor measurement in early life, but also the assessment of ASCVD risk in early adulthood. Accordingly, the utility of the P-Day score in this study provides an important piece of the puzzle for ASCVD risk stratification among young persons, in whom there is currently no ACC-AHA risk score for intermediate-term risk prediction. Finally, these results provide added emphasis for the development of primordial prevention strategies to reduce the burden of ASCVD, which is especially important now with the epidemic of obesity and physical inactivity in our children. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will be of interest to its listeners.